everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk with Minority Speak Up. I'll be your host today, Kennedy Shanks, a.k.a. Misunderstood, bringing you Season 3, Episode 3, with a special guest I have here today. I'm sorry, guys, you won't hear my co-host today, my mom, uh, but we have a very special guest sharing his story on um, growing up unoppressed. So, Francisco, are you there? Yeah. Hi. Cool. Hi, Francisco. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. So everybody, if you want to know how um, Francisco and I met, we met through a mutual friend. Um, uh, Our mutual friend, Victoria, she's a really great friend. And she introduced us because we both have like the same views on injustices and societal issues. Um, So it was really cool meeting him and just hearing his thoughts and stuff like that. Um, And then while connecting and talking a little bit more, we realized that our lives growing up and knowing that we were oppressed and not oppressed, it kind of changed like that. That was a point where it was kind of like, whoa, like what's going on? How about you, Francisco? How did you feel? Yeah, no. So growing up, I wasn't really like completely introduced to the idea of oppression. I was given the conversation about like racism and how that Mm -hmm. affects you like being a black individual growing up, growing up in America. But it wasn't until I got to high school and I started to like surround myself with like black individuals who read and are like really heavy on black literacy that I learned like mm-hmm. of the idea of like oppression and how that affects you in America and like the systemic ways that the, like that the American system oppresses uh, black and brown individuals and stuff like that. So it wasn't until, I think that was about like six or seven months ago, I like realized and Mm -hmm. I had the revelation that like how the American system functions and how it functionally like oppresses us and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So tell me a little bit more about um, the way you grew up because see, that's the thing. Like for me, I grew up knowing I was oppressed and I've had experiences where I felt that oppression from people of even like black people and people of other cultures as well. So how was it growing up for you? Like, did you believe in race? I know some people that grew up that, um, that grew up not being oppressed. Um, they didn't see like the, so the racial construct and they didn't believe in like race. So how was it growing up? Yeah, no. So when I was growing up, my parents like introduced me to racism and we had those conversations, but it like, it was their outlook on the world and how they sort of, like function with this post-racial society mindset where they don't really believe in oppress oppression like towards one racial group and I didn't mm-hmm. figure this out until I had a conversation with them like maybe a month or so ago and mm-hmm. so growing up I had I'd never heard the word and I didn't really know what it meant and I just like of course I knew that some people are treated differently based on like the color of their skin like you know prejudice racism like racial biases and stuff like that I just didn't really know the ins and outs of it yet. And I hadn't, Mm -hmm. I had to like take it upon myself to like seek that education and that understanding to like gain the knowledge of how the American system actively oppresses its like black and brown citizens. Yeah, that, that really, that really means a lot. And like hearing that from your perspective, like opens my eyes in different ways. And you brought up a point that I wanted to touch on, which was, um, Growing up in America, do you believe that um, do you believe that you can be any skin color and achieve any goal or dream that you believe in? Well, 
there's an aspect of that where yes like you can strive to do whatever it is your heart desires but you have to you don't have to let your race or ethnicity like draw you back you just have to be mindful that sometimes certain opportunities won't be given to you because they were given to your preferred like white um what is the word your preferred counterpart sure counterpart um yeah so i guess you just have to be aware of that in how the system isn't entirely like fair to you and you have to recognize that sometimes it's not even your fault that you didn't get any given position it's that's just how things are sometimes so you shared with me when we were talking um that you're on a debate team and that you like experienced instances where you um have seen discrimination or like racism or like someone has said something that kind of triggered you so would you mind sharing an instance where like debate got like too real and you're like whoa like i know this person didn't just say this oh yeah man um so there are two lenses right one Mm -hmm. think of it like a movie like so a movie functions and it plays out and you know that things that happen inside the movie aren't actually going to happen like in real life like yeah yeah like stuff like that and then Mm -hmm. so us using this argument is kind of breaking the fourth wall and we're Mm -hmm. saying that this argument functions inside and outside of the round itself so we're saying like is it um, like, would it exist, like, in this quote-unquote movie and in reality? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So, so the argument the other team was running was just, like, standard. It was policy. You know, it was what any other team would run. And then what we were running against that was we were running this thing called um, Black Framework, where mm-hmm. we are taking a look at how their argument functions within the debate space against specifically like minority black debaters you know okay so yeah say they're running something normal they're running like some argument about arms sales in taiwan or whatever and Mm -hmm. we run this argument we run black framework to say that you running your argument about taiwan actively ignores the voice that black students can have within the debate space and it doesn't allow for them to use their platform to like achieve or strive for some kind of change Mm -hmm. because we're actively being forced to engage in the narrative that you're building with your argument that doesn't have anything to do with what's actually happening on the streets of like Chicago you know yeah yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the so you so like what were your feelings on that? Like on just that, like what you just said. Oh, I love running identity arguments and debate because it's like <laughs> I can bring I can bring all of this extra knowledge and I can like strive to change the epistemology of debaters within the debate space while also just like talking about something I care about. You know, it's it's really it's like it's exciting to be able to Mm -hmm. come to a space and like make people not only listen, but like make them hear you and what you're saying. And like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good for stuff like that because not, Mm -hmm. 
there aren't many other places where I'm going to be able to reach a mass of people and like make them actively listen to me. But in debate, like to function within the round, you need to hear what I'm saying. Yeah. Wow, that's a very different outlook. Like, that's the whole thing with my organization is I'm trying to give, you know, children and give youth, minority youth, that platform to speak and, like, give how they feel and uh, share their thoughts through different medias. But that is something that I never thought about, like, with debate. I always thought debate was just, like, having a conversation about a topic and, I don't know, like, whoever had the best conversation or, like, the best points won. But it's so much deeper than that. And I'm I'm grateful that you were able to, you know, share um, how debate gives, you know, youth of all of all cultures that platform to share their thoughts. Because, yeah, like you said, you have to be an active listener, um, you know, to have evidence to go over that, you know, or go with that. So that was really nice. So. All right. And it's now time for our very short break. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? I am back, Kennedy Shanks, a.k.a. Misunderstood, with my special guest today, Francisco Roman, telling his thoughts, and we're comparing our lives growing up for him, not really re- not realizing he was oppressed until he was older, and me <laughs> growing up knowing I was oppressed. So now I'm just going to go into uh, a little bit of my life and a little bit of the factors and the my parents telling me that I was oppressed and how that has, you know, shaped my perspective uh, today. So... I grew up and I always knew I was oppressed Uh, growing up on the south side and having parents that lived on two different sides of Chicago. My mom, uh, well, both of my parents are minorities. My uh, my mom and dad are black. My mom grew up on the north side in uh, the Lincoln Park area. She lived on Fullerton and my father lived on the south side um, around the area that I live in in Arvin Gresham. And they had two totally different lifestyles. Although my mother lives on the north side, she experienced no racism. um, And she actually didn't didn't experience racism until she got to the south side. And the first experience she had with racism was from a black person, which was really interesting. My mother always tells me this story. And although that is a topic that I'm like, oh, black people can't be racist. They can be prejudiced. But at the same time, it's like, ah. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's one of the first experiences she had with racism so that's definitely a story that she's told me when I was younger and that I've carried that all my life since I live on the south side now my father on the other hand he grew up on the south side and he tells me so many stories of him being beaten by white uh, white men and um, being chased away and being caught in um, very unfortunate situations so that also opens my eyes to the south side and now Although, you know, being born in 2003 and not really having a lot of experiences with racism directly, um, that is something that I always take with me and carry with me um, is the racism that people of my skin color have experienced in the neighborhood I live in. Um, And that's the thing I feel like sometimes parents try to wait. It's like um, it's like learning about sex. Parents want to wait until their kid is old enough so they can understand how it works and understand how to, to prevent pregnancy, of course, out of all of that. Um, but with racism and with discrimination and oppression, it's, it's a totally different thing. It's You have to learn when, well, I believe you need to learn when you're younger because they're so, like, with social media and with um with exposure to um, like so like we're being my like my little brother's eight and he's being exposed to so much at a young age 
Um, Francisco, I just want to cut in and see how you feel about um, like teens and like children being exposed to social media and the the struggles that we go through every day sometimes. Um, oh yeah, just recently, I sent an email to the assistant principal of our school because two mm-hmm. white girls were like in blackface and they were calling mm-hmm. each other niggers on their Snapchat story. Wow. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, like. They just bold with it now to like post it on your snap where all these people yeah. can see and not give a fuck. That's crazy to me. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I definitely think it opens the door for more experiences of racism to be had, but it also opens the door for like, like for you to find like minded individuals to where you can like share experiences and thoughts on stuff and. Open, yeah. yeah, and like open each other's minds up to a lot of different things that some people might not know, like theories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing with like social media. I always like adults and everything. And I recently just had an interview about like social media and teens and stuff like that. And I think social media has its pros and its cons. I mean, the pros are you get there are a lot of information. Teens usually we usually get our news and um, communicate with people through social media. You know, just looking cute, trying to grow our careers um, on social media. Just like what um, Francisco said, like um, having or. Uh, being exposed to people with the same views as you and being able to share like your thoughts and theories and stuff like that but social media also has its cons with exposing young children to racism to uh, sexual content to so many so many other things so social media definitely has its pros and cons um but with growing up being oppressed i feel like if you have a device like my little brother he has a tablet uh, a nintendo switch and he's on my xbox so it's like he he um encounters so many different people every day even being eight so for him to know um like what racism is what discrimination is what oppression is is very important so when he gets to a point where he's old enough and he encounters something like that he doesn't he's not too like he's not too down about it like he's not like that's not a first shock and experience because I feel like if I experienced racism today I wouldn't I probably wouldn't react the same if I was younger if I was younger I'd probably be like oh my gosh like I know this girl did not just call me a nigga like ew but now I would have something to say about that so if he knows at a young age and if he's comfortable he can share how he feels about that and they can understand and most likely they won't because <laughs> there are instances where you just explain it and people still don't get it but um i think that is it's it's definitely an interesting time right now and that's it goes into my points to touch on or to questions i always ask my co-host or my guests so francisco how has being or how has being raised uh, not oppressed impacted your view on the world? You kind of touched on this already, but I just want to ask you again. Um, well, in reality, like, it didn't really affect me very much because it's just a bit of information that I wasn't pre-exposed to. But, like, okay. Hmm. Yeah, no. So this is hard. You go ahead, take it there. It's remember it's just a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why stop doing that? Stop. 
<laughs> Get away from me. Um, I can always skip this question and come back. Uh, no, I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. So, having that outlook on how things are in like America didn't really affect me very much as a child. But as I grew up, like, it definitely would have helped to know that, like, see, yeah, we can come back to this one. I got to ponder on it. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Um, let's see. Um, okay, so how has the recent events in society impacted you? Oh, man. All I really do anymore yeah. is, like, sit in my room and, like, do all this research on, like, all different kinds of black theory. Like lately, I've been looking, I've been really looking at like Afro-pessimism, like Afro-futurism, like dismantlement, mm-hmm. and I've been like diving into stuff like this because I really want to take, like, I really want to take all this time that I'm given with like quarantine and stuff to expand my like horizon of knowledge to a, a lot of new different like theories on how black people can functionally like live and ex- like coexist in the world with like mm-hmm. white people you know it's it's been yeah super eye-opening because i've seen like the change in myself especially i've seen it like grow and i've seen myself get really passionate about something that six months ago i like didn't really think about that much um it's definitely brought out the like the inner social activist in me because prior to all of this, it wasn't very active at all. Mm-hmm. Aside from, like, debate, I would talk about Black people there, and then that'd be it. I, I'd come home and I'd go to sleep. But now it's kind of like... Like, I, I feel a lot more proud in the work that I'm doing because I'm putting a lot more time in it. You know, I feel like I'm investing in mm-hmm. something that I could like teach to my children one day or like that could actively mm-hmm. make a difference mm-hmm. that's actually really cool that you just uh went into my next question actually so when you grow older how will you advise your children or young relatives about their oppression being a minority in america well first i i think i'd wait until they understand like the just like the basis of of the well no to have the conversation about like racism and what you need to do when you get con- confronted by like the cops or when you're pulled over by police or something like that stopped on the street i think those conversations mm-hmm. need to happen really early because the earlier the foundation is laid, the less likely they're, well, the more, no, what was I saying? The earlier the foundation is laid, the more likely it becomes that they make it out of that given situation because they then know what to do, you know? I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to have those things early so children, like, from a young age understand that they will be treated differently based on the color of their skin, you know, and then 
to open their eyes to the world of the American economic system and how it works and the American justice system and how it functions against the black community kind of and how like being a little black kid in America like what that like how like growing up black in America will affect you and how Mm -hmm. man I feel like I'm dodging the question what is the question (laughs) how would I advise all of this to be taught yeah how would you advise this to like your children or your young relatives Hmm. like oppression well first I'd tell them not to be in denial and not to allow like not to allow the knowledge that you are actively oppressed in the American system to like deter you from doing anything you want to do because in the end there's nothing you can really do about it to change the fact that you will be oppressed in in America like there's nothing you can do to change that I think you just need to understand how that affects you and understand Mm -hmm. that like it doesn't have to hold you back you know like you can yeah, still strive, really yeah you can still strive to do anything you want and you don't have to let the like the knowledge that you're oppressed affect anything you do i think it's just important for black individuals to like know how and why america functions against them yeah that's a really great message i actually never thought about it like that really cool so we're gonna go back to the other question yeah um if you're ready um and then that'll be our last question and then we'll wrap up okay um okay question how has being raised as not oppressed impacted your view on the world so functionally it hasn't really impacted me that much but i think that when it comes to my view on the world it's just taken me a little bit longer to understand why some things are some ways and to understand like like the terms of the word oppression and how it like functions with me as a black American. So understand that black Americans are oppressed by the system because the system wasn't built to function and to serve like it's black American citizens because at the time Americans weren't citizens. So I, I actively understand that now and I have that like basis and then from that understanding I can go on and like come to other conclusions about things like how black people are two and a half more times like two and a half times more likely to be killed by the police because of the epistemology that the police currently hold to Mm -hmm. the black community and then how that came to be Mm-hmm. Um, due to the like the stigma and the racism that resides within like our local law enforcement, and then it's it's made a lot more sense when I try to wrap my head around these topics, mm-hmm. like redlining, gentrification, food deserts, yeah. um, incarceration rates, over policing of 
um, excuse me, over policing of like black neighborhoods, and then, um, yeah, 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 that's that's it. Okay, nice. Thank you. I want to say thank you um, for sharing your thoughts and your views because it's really refreshing to hear someone's views and you know that like when someone grows up a little differently than you, then their views on the world and how they are currently. So I want to say thank you to you, Francisco Roman, for being on my show. Um, your thoughts and the things that you said really mean a lot. And I want to say thank you and stay safe. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please check out uh, Minority Speak Up social medias, Instagram, minorities.speak.up, Facebook, Minority Speak Up, and on Twitter, uh, Minorities Up. Also, if you want to share your thoughts and let us know how you're doing during quarantine, then please click the link above or below our pictures when we post on social media so then you can share your thoughts and you'll be included in the show and I'll respond to your message. Other than that, thank you guys for listening again. Please share our podcast and bye.